Okay, now let's go with the number three record this week in Buffalo, Johnny Preston and Running Bear. On the bank of the river. Oh, what can I say about this man? Uh, a rock and roll Hall of Fame great, Mr. Dick Biondi and Dick, uh, one of the great knights of the turntable. Well, thank you very much. And again, congratulations to you, Red. Oh, thank you. You mean on, on finishing 50 years in the business? Well, uh, <laughs> making 50 years in the business. <laughs> By the way, Dick, always a question I always wanted to ask you. Uh, when people refer to us as DJs, do you find this complimentary or, or insulting? I never liked uh, you are an air personality. I was always proud to have DJ after my name. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I, I've got two thoughts on that quickly. Yep. First of all, uh, a disc jockey is unique because he does what it says. He plays discs, records, CDs, now whatever it is. But also, I think you and I fit another very, very important category, and that is an announcer. And an announcer is a man in radio who can handle anything, whether it's a DJ show, whether it's uh, news, whether it's uh, on-the-spot coverage of something. And I think you and I fit into that because we've had so much good training and background. Isn't, isn't that the truth? Yeah, I can remember doing, uh, doing uh, news stories when I was a kid, you know, 16, and then sports and, and interviews. That, that's where I got, to, you know, the, uh, the ability uh, to do in-depth interviews was just going out and just doing it. And you've done some great ones. Everybody that I've talked to that's had interviews with you said you're one of the best they've ever been with. Oh, well, that's so nice. But one of the things I was going to ask you, Dick, when you, you know, what was your inspiration? We all had it. What was your inspiration to get into the biz? It goes back to uh, when World War II was still on. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> and I was uh, visiting my grandmother in upstate New York, and I think I was eight years old, and I went walked into the radio station, don't ask me why, I was running around by myself, and I saw a guy by the name of Bob Morgan having so much fun, and I kept going back every day while I was up there. <laughs> and finally, one day, he called me in, and he said, here, read this. And it was a commercial for a ladies' store called Brotans. I'll right. never forget it. When I uh, got home to my grandmother's, all the neighbors had heard me. And I said, wow, this is great. And after that, you couldn't keep me out of a radio station. You were hooked. You were hooked. No doubt about it. That the very similar thing I think happens to uh, uh, to all of us. Michael Godin, you got a question for uh, for Dick. I was just going to ask you, Dick. What is your absolute f most fondest memory of your early days in radio? Oh, Michael, <laughs> I, we'd be on the air for five, six hours. <laughs> very seriously, everything I ever did. Uh, one of the biggest things that happened to me was not even on the air. But it was uh, being a gopher at WINR in Binghamton, New York. And I used to run and get coffee and donuts for the guys there. And one of the guys there was Rod Serling, who created the Twilight Zone. Oh, you're kidding. And uh, I, I was just, everything I did in radio made a very big impact on me. And I don't know how many people can say they loved every minute of the career they chose, but I do. I got my hand up, too. <laughs> there you go. Do you remember a time, uh, and I tell young people this, and you have the photographs and I do too. Uh, when, you know, we started out, the DJ, people find this hard to believe, were, uh, well, the DJ was bigger than the recording stars we were playing. Yeah, at times uh, it, it was true. Uh, I remember 
back when 1957, I brought Jerry Lee Lewis up from Memphis the first time he had ever been out of the South. And we had 4,000 kids at the record hop. Not because of of Jerry, because they never heard of him really, but because they were having so much fun at the record hop. Yeah, I I, I remember those. You know, very uh, funny aside here, because we all have them, and you've got a great sense of humor, but I love this one. Years ago, Buddy Knox, who moved to Canada, as you know, and I, I don't know where we were, uh, before a concert or something. I said, buddy, where, where did Sam Phillips ever find Jerry Lee Lewis? He said, Red, Sam was driving along a highway in Louisiana, and a guy crawled out of a swamp with a piano strapped to his back. <laughs> <laughs> Dick, of all the people that you uh, met over the years, is there any one recording artist that kind of stands out uh, beyond the rest of them? There's, uh, there, there's three. First of all, Elvis. Right. Uh, secondly, Mick Jagger, hmm. and third, and probably the most personal one, and uh, the one I spent the most time with, Bobby Darren, right. just the most delightful and wonderful and never, ever forgot the people that were with him when he started. And if I may, Red, please, he told me back in 1957, he said, Dick, if I ever become a big star in this business, I'm, not, I'm going to remember the people that helped me up. And the ones that slammed the door in my face, I'm not going to have time for. And that's where he got the reputation of being cocky. He was just being honest and doing what he said he was going to do. Here, here, and I'll back that up because um, in 1959, when he came into my studio, I was working at KGW in Portland at the time, and we were at the Oregon Exposition. He brought in a new album, and I said, uh, you know, what's your favorite cut cut on this uh, album? He said, oh, that one over there, Mac the Knife. Hey, the the thing is, Dick, are we the last of a breed, like, say, the last gunfighters, I hate to use that, or, say, the last steam uh, locomotive engineers? Are are we the end of the the group, or what? I I would like to think not, but I'm afraid in some ways, uh, Brenda Lee told me last year, uh, I was interviewing her. Yes. And she said, Dick, I'm going to be the last of anybody from the 50s you see inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And uh, I guess maybe, yeah, uh, but I, Red, I know your people love you there. And I have the same feeling with my f- fans here in Chicago. I know. And yes, I think we are sort of the uh, the last of, of the, how can I say, well, the one t- term I use, we're the last of the dinosaurs of disc jockeys. <laughs> so, so, so let me tell you one thing. We're sure covering a lot of ground. So, Dick, what advice would you give someone who is intrigued by radio today? Yeah. Get into it. Get, if you want a job in radio, find, uh, go to work with a Red Robinson. Uh, learn everything you can. And then once you think you've got enough to go on the air, go to a radio, every radio station you can go to every single week until they either put you on the air or call the police. <laughs> and they've done that to me a couple of times, I'll tell you. And you, too. <laughs> you know it. But, uh, 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 Dick, this has been incredible talking to you. I I want to do this reflection on, on the disc jockeys before, like, the sun, uh, you know, sets on all of us. And uh, I, there's been a couple of good books out, so I want you to do another one. Uh, and call it The Knights of the Turntable. The best one I read was Arnold Passman. I thought he did a, a very good job, but he kind of leaned more towards uh, the Martin Block era and, uh, and Steve Allen. People forget how many important and uh, famous people started out as DJs. And it's amazing that you mentioned Steve Allen with no disrespect at all intended. 
He was one of the biggest critics and put-downers of rock and roll and disc jockeys in, in the history of radio. Oh, yeah, and, and, and I know that. But, in, you know, it's funny, in his latter days, he was almost apologetic for that. I did an interview one year before he died uh, with him in Hollywood. Uh, who knows what got into his head, uh, but you're right. But he, as a disc jockey, when he was young, he was good. <laughs> I reminded him of that. I, I, I just think there's plenty of room for it. And, and the one thing that the, every young person that wants to get into radio should always remember, please remember that when you are on the air, you are communicating in the most intimate way there is. Your voice is getting inside the head of a human being. And I don't think there's much more anybody can say about it. Dick, I think on that note, we'll wrap this up. And I want to thank you again for being what you've always been, a great performer, great entertainer, and to me, a good friend. Thank you. Same here. And Red, God bless you and many, many more years. Do me a favor when you talk to Wink Martindale. Yeah. Tell Wink I still have his autograph from when I was at WLS. <laughs> and tell him I remember exactly what he wrote. To Dick Biondi, I owe you nothing. Wink Martindale. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, I, I will do that. I'll talk to him later. I will do that. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Dick. Dick Biondi on KB in Buffalo last week in February 1960. And, gee, who would have thought I would have lasted this long, right? 